डियर लिस्नर्स साईराम वेलकम टू अवर रेडियो सीरीज आफ्टरनून सत्संग दिस इज अ डिस्कशन बिटवीन रेडियो साईज प्रेम एंड अरविंद ऑन डिफरेंट स्पिरिचुअल टॉपिक्स एवरी थर्सडे ऑन एशिया स्ट्रीम यू कैन एन्जॉय दिस लाइव कॉन्वर्सेशन इट्स फ्रॉम ट्वेल्व थर्टी पी एम टू टू पी एम इंडियन स्टैंडर्ड टाइम द टॉपिक ऑफ टूडेज एपिसोड इज सत्यम शिवम सुंदरम the life story of bhagwan shri satyasai baba and this was first featured as part of thursday live on november 21st 2013 welcome dear listeners to another episode of afternoon satsang and as always joining you from studios of radio sai in prashantinilam this is prem from team radio sai being joined by arvind of radio sai sairam arvind sairam prem and listening to the lord stories enjoying it and reliving them i mean there can be nothing more magical and happiness bringing than these there is something really mystical and magical about the lord stories listening to them over and over again one doesn't get bored in fact every time you listen to the story you get some new insight some new consolation some kind of solace which seems so apt and perfect at that time and i'm not speaking this off the hat the way they said many times you know i have noticed when i narrate a story or an experience with the lord and there might be an audience of say 3 people or 30 people or 300 people invariably many come afterwards and say you know this part this is exactly what is happening in my life it's so perfect for me and when three people say that that is exactly what's happening in their life and it's so perfect that is when i realize that the same experience the same story makes different sense to different people based on what is going on in their life and therefore one of the best ways to be happy always is to live live in sai always and one of the best ways to live in sai always is to live and relive his stories and glories a couple of weeks back i was listening to that uh, talk i think i made a reference of that we made a reference of that uh, even last week given by mr ratnakar the trustee of the central trust mm-hmm. you know he says this one of the most fascinating things about swami is he would be there in the hillview stadium he's mm-hmm. been given a procession in a golden chariot Mm. and there have been thousands and thousands of people you know are happy even to see a glimpse of his robe mm. you know that speaks about the popularity of a person you know forget mm. all the divine attributes and all that and that's how much you're wanted by such a large number of people and you've been treated like a king mm. and after a session like that swami would return back to his residence and even as he is going into his house he would call the guard who is at the gate and ask him have you had your lunch Mm-hmm. you know that ability of swami was what actually not only endeared all of us to him but you know it it made us feel a part of him and made him feel a part of us exactly prem if we go on this way you know we see that every moment of swami's life has been so special it is indeed you know a kind of foolish venture that we are here trying to relive all his stories but i think our venture here is just to share and relive all that we have you know read or heard or seen and we are doing this with the complete knowledge that this is just a drop in the mighty ocean but how many ever drops we get let us enjoy them just the day before yesterday i was walking with uh, mr nagraj 
you know we had interviewed him right. during one afternoon satsang he shared From about anantapur yes how swami had uh, visited their home in the early 1940s family of mr chidambaraya exactly right. yes so we were just walking towards the archive the temporary archive for our listeners who might be unaware uh, a permanent archive building to store the greatest treasures that swami has left us with that is his teachings in the form of wonderful videos and audios and text letters in order to store this treasure an archive building is being constructed right next to the ad block on top of the vidyagiri hill till that building comes up in maybe an years time we have a temporary archive near the uh, general stores area mm-hmm. where we have stored all this so therefore you know i was uh, taking mr nagraj to show him our archives to show him how bountiful swami has been in his love so that we have preserved all these videos and audios and then i pointed to the hill you know where the construction for the archive building was going on and i said sir you know there that is where the building is coming up and that was enough to trigger off memories galore in him you know mm-hmm. and he started reeling out one by one so amazing you know maybe i'll share one or two of them here sure he said uh, you know those days there was nothing on top of the hill it was full forested area there was just a little general hospital i think the hospital came in 1950s right yeah so that was there one day swami told mr nagraj and two of his friends come let's go for a walk okay where beyond the general hospital so they climbed up the hill and to the place where currently the ad block is there the sanadan samskriti museum is there at right. that time there was nothing so in the forested land amidst the trees enjoying the breeze that was blowing swami's lovely curls they were just walking when swami bent down and picked up a small pebble mm-hmm. he tossed the pebble high in the air and then caught it back in his hand then turning to mr nagraj he said tell me what's there in my hand now <laughs> mr nagraj said that he had no idea so he told swami swami it is definitely not a stone that much i know <laughs> <laughs> okay then swami opened his hand and in there was a sugar candy and swami broke it into three pieces and gave it to all the three of them and swami said you know this is what i have been doing and i will continue to do to hearts turn them from stone to sweet candy you know mm-hmm. turn uh, stony hearts into sweet hearts and then you know swami immediately turned to one of nagraj's friends and told him imagine if all the rocks in this rayal seema rayal seema name itself means the land of rocks rayalu means rock rocks swami said imagine what would happen if the whole rayal seema becomes sweet like this <laughs> and this thrilled mr nagraj and his friends because just the previous evening this very friend it seems had told him that imagine if swami has such transformative power he can change all these rocks into sweet <laughs> i mean he had just made an offhand statement like that and swami was repeating that same to him and then mr nagraj continued then swami you know turned around and he pointed to an adjoining hill and he said you know you can see that hill there and down there i will be standing there swami pointed to one end of the hill mm-hmm. and then pointing to the opposite end of the hill he said and there you may be standing and watching me there so mr nagraj said that at that time it made no sense at all he was wondering what is this maybe swami is going to go for a picnic or that was what he was thinking but then he says that later on if he sees today 
the first place where swami pointed is where shanti vedika stands the other end that swami pointed is where the primary school gate is you know and that is what literally happened when you were describing the birthday when swami would come in the chariot right people had to stand more than 100 200 meters away to have a glimpse of swami and this was what swami revealed to him in the 1950s and then swami said do you know sage bharadwaja has written he has written that hukka bukka tatakam lo tatakam means the shore of a lake okay so you know bukkapatnam we have a lake and it's yeah. actually it has been named bukkapatnam after hukka and bukka the rulers of the right. vijayanagara empire bukaraya and bukaraya and ha so swami told him it seems that sage bharadwaja had written hukka bukka tatakam lo mm-hmm. chitravati tatam lo mm-hmm. which means on the banks of river chitravati tatam is for river tatakam is for lake okay uh, puttaparthi puram lo madhavadu i forgot the telugu word which means madhava will come or lord krishna will come so i just told this poem in telugu to them immediately the other friend of mr nagraj you know imagine he asked swami swami who is madhava then <laughs> because he's saying swami correct uh, the hukka bukka tatakam this everything refers to this place now who is this madhava okay and swami looks at him deep into his eyes gives a smile and says madhava is your friend and then swami walks back the other friend is just you know stunned as is mr nagraj so i asked mr nagraj why did you get so stunned because he said that he is his friend mr nagraj says that his friend was attracted to swami he wanted to come and see swami but he did not accept him totally as god but he was just attracted to swami so he would come here and whenever he comes here his friends back in anandpur and other places they would ask him where are you going where are you going now and he didn't want to tell you know that there's one swami i'm going to meet nothing he would always say i am going to meet one friend he's one friend of mine he's one friend of mine <laughs> and you know that he has been telling to his friends and he has never mentioned that in swami's presence but here was swami you know giving the right answer at the same time hitting another <laughs> bird with the same stone revealing his omniscience when he said that the madhava is your friend of course referring to him so i was just thinking when he narrated it you know i made a statement saying we are building an archive building there the temporary archive will shift there and looking in the direction of my hand he just remembered three incidents of the <laughs> of the cuff and narrated it i was just thinking how many how many such incidents with swami would be buried in the hearts of how many devotees definitely but even as you were narrating that you know swami revealing to his friend what the future would hold Mm-hmm. you know for devotees and the d- distance between his swami and his devotees physically i don't know when uh, mr nagraj was here and we were talking to him one statement which he said really struck me he said one thing about swami which really fascinates me is i saw him in 1950s mm-hmm. and i've seen him even in 2000 and later mm-hmm. swami never changed he said things around swami changed buildings around swami changed people around swami changed but swami never changed you know i i felt it was a very deep uh, statement he was making because you know your interaction with swami has changed definitely he as a person would have seen so much change in his interaction to swami you know the way he would go and speak to swami but a person of that nature who has seen the change over so many decades to say that swami remained the same you know swami must have revealed what his true nature is and i think that's what happens if you move with swami it is swami. indeed a very uh, deep and profound statement because you know if we see swami's message through and through it has always been that 
you are all embodiments of god you are all god you know and he always emphasizes that you're not a body with a soul but you are a soul who has taken on the body and if we look at our own bodies or minds with respect to this message that you know nagaraj sir said that everything around changed but swami did not change that is what swami tried to imbibe in us also that you know when i say i i am actually that soul within that is changeless everything around that changes the body changes it grows old so many things it grows strong then grows weak the mind changes everything changes but that remains changeless and i feel through that statement it is another way of presenting swami's life as his message because his message has been that only you are also that eternal changeless one around which everything seems to change but you are changeless and that is amplified by that statement you know, another thing which i'm reminded is the brother of mrs vijay kumar you know uh, anita shanam nasti author mm-hmm. he writes in his book that one day when he was in mandir he was in prashantinilam in the old mandir puttaparthi not prashantinilam mm-hmm. two of swami's erstwhile classmates came to meet him okay you know after many years mm-hmm. they didn't know that things had changed so much mm-hmm. they just thought that there was this very special boy who was a classmate and he was from puttaparthi mm-hmm. so two of them just dropped into just greet swami and they were surprised to see that there was a ashram here and people were you know worshiping the classmate worshiping him and he was sitting on a throne and they got a little you know awestruck by what they saw and they said maybe they cannot go and speak to swami like before but when they went and spoke to swami and swami started narrating all those incidents which happened in their school then they felt the very same thing he said no he has not changed he is still that same dear you know classmate of ours dear friend mm. you know that was the thing that swami always remained a friend for everybody it's just that physically things changed around him and around us but he was always each one's best friend that's a very powerful message because it holds good even today you know today when we think that swami has taken mahasamadhi he is no longer physically there with us just like his body underwent change the circumstances surrounding around him change i think we should consider this too as yet another change yes it is it is another change in the circumstance another change in the physical but let us remember that that swami who remained the same for 86 physical years continues to remain the same and as we interview people speak to people get to know of their experiences it is so much felt it is so easily felt that swami continues to be continues to guide continues to love continues to shower as he used to do and continues to do absolutely and you know the topic which we've going to be talking about today actually talks of this swami who was so much was changing around him but he was remaining the same because you know imagine i was just reflecting on that 1944 1943 mm-hmm. swami is just another high school student mm-hmm. you know in urukonda in uh, in kamlapuram and he and within a few years we're talking about 1948 1949 just a couple of years and swami is moving around with royalty mm-hmm. swami is living in palaces swami is flying already something which should have been i mean we spoke of what puttaparthi was a train was described as a monster exactly you know and here is swami in 1948 and 49 already making air travel mm and that is that interesting phase of swami's life we are in and we're going to talk about that i think but maybe before that we'll just take a short break 
exactly play out the and, song and maybe we can uh, just give a hint to our listeners so that they remain hooked on the royal family that we are now going to talk is about the royal family from chincholi that actually came to swami in 1947 but then swami even visited chincholi in 1949 some beautiful incidents amazing stories all of that coming up after this little break Rava Swami Sai Baba Bro Chutaku Mamuka Chutaku Rava Swami Sai Baba after that wonderful beautiful song i think it's time for the entry of another royal family we spoke of the family of sandur the royal family of sandur and how swami entered their life and entered their palace too but now it's the turn of the chincholi rani i think it's pretty much around the same time yes it was around 1946 uh, 47 yeah i think most of these people came during that few months which swami spent in sakama's house in bangalore you know Correct. we spoke of how that was a, a something like a blemish in that glorious period of the old mandir days where swami was taken ill and swami was spending some time in sakama's house but so many of these families which were to play a important role in swami's life later in the avataric mission later mm. seem to have come in contact with swami during that period exactly yesterday only you know i again when i was speaking i was thinking about the same thing what we think as you know a kind of a setback or a downfall is also part of the master plan which is necessary we were speaking about how swami has resurrected the image of the queen kaikeyi in the ramayana you know we often used to consider not we often we always considered kaikeyi as the villainess who was responsible for banishing rama into the forest but when swami revealed in his discourse that it was rama who prayed to kaikeyi saying that mother you love me the most and because you love me are you ready to sacrifice this 
and what a sacrifice she had to do sacrifice of her fair name it was because rama requested her to send him to the forest because he needed to go to the forest to achieve the mission that he had taken upon himself so too you know when we think that swami had taken ill it is almost as if you know swami requested the illness to come over him because he had to leave puttaparthi and stay those months at sakamma's house where as you rightly said so many people so many people from the royalty of those days met swami and later on became important uh, people in the avatarik mission so nothing nothing about the avatarik mission is a downfall is a bad luck or is something that happened without <laughs> the lord's knowledge everything has been planned to the last second right in, in one of the discourses that swami gave during the 1990 samuko swami makes this very point you know he, when he talks about the body and the senses mm-hmm. but towards the end swami makes this point that nothing that god has created mm-hmm. is useless or meaningless mm-hmm. but it is up to you to find out what is the reason and to contemplate and discover it for yourself and he even gives the chinnakatha after that of those dried leaves i think when uh, there is a chinnakatha which swami says i don't know the details okay. but it is something like a guru tells his disciples that nothing is useless when one of the disciples says that you know the leaves that fall from the tree they are useless i mean nobody uses them we just sweep them away so then the guru says get me a pile of leaves mm-hmm. then as i said these are the details that i have forgotten but he goes and some place when he takes the ants tell him that no we need it for our uh, winter food some place else the tree says that i need it for my manure he comes back empty handed and tells his guru that i couldn't get sufficient dry leaves because apparently it's very useful so everything is useful everything is necessary everything is planned you know, like another chinnakatha which swami says is that a man once wonders you know how silly of god he's <laughs> made such a huge pumpkin and put it on a creeper which is so tender and he's made such a huge and strong tree banyan tree a banyan tree and he's made put such small you know fruits for that tree and he's wondering so and one day when he's sleeping under one of the banyan trees he's woken up by one of those fruits falling on his head the tiny fruits and then he realizes had it been a pumpkin <laughs> which is growing on the tree he would have got brain hemorrhage <laughs> i mean he will admire god's wisdom right. when that happens let's not wait for pumpkin to fall on our head for us to realize the lord's wisdom let us know with faith that everything is done in the lord's wisdom now coming to the story this is the story of rani lakshmi bai and her husband the, the raja raja bhimsen rao of chincholi chincholi is a small kingdom in the current gulbarga district of karnataka right. in the northern karnataka it's almost on the border of andhra pradesh and very close to the state of maharashtra yeah, now we call it karnataka but then in the early 1940s it's pretty much a kingdom which was in the middle of what is now we call as two different states correct uh, so it was something like part of mysore at the same time it was very close to the nizam's kingdom right um, that existed in the 1940s so now how did swami enter their lives now this rani that is rani lakshmi bai of chincholi she had two sisters that is rajamma and sitamma right of course today they known as arani rajamma and ms sitamma that is based on the families they have got married into but so rajamma and sitamma were the two sisters of the rani these two sisters of the rani they had a friend a common friend who got to know about swami and introduced them to swami but before that happened itself you know there was this krishna swami krishna swami in the kingdom he was a relative 
he is actually the son of son this arani rajamma yes so the queen sister's son he wanted to visit shirdi because all the members of the chincholi family were devotees of shirdi baba even from the time of the king yes they were all uh, deeply devoted to shirdi baba and he wanted to visit shirdi but when he visited shirdi in 1946 we all know that you know baba had taken mahasamadhi in 1918 so there was no chance for him to meet baba but then in shirdi was a saint who was called abdullah baba now this abdullah baba dressed like shirdi baba he looked like shirdi baba he had the same kafni same mannerisms but he always spoke of himself as a devotee of shirdi baba mm-hmm. and he told krishna swami that is the son of rajama that you and your family will meet shirdi baba shirdi baba will give you darshan within a year and they were wondering how is that ever going to happen and that happened through the darshan they had of shri satya sai baba right and again going back to that swami stay in sakama's house that's how they first come and see swami as you mentioned is another devotee who will feature very prominently in later years of swami's life that was nagamani purnaya mm. and she's also written a very famous book uh, i don't know the name of the book but the author is uh, very famous nagamani purnaya she happened to be the sister of the friend that you mentioned of arani sita yeah saku saku was the friend yes common friend and her sister was nagamani purnia yes and she had taken them to i think they must have had their first darshan at sakama's house at bull temple road at the bull temple road now these two sisters that is rajamma and sita ma their houses actually you know though they were part of the royal family they were not living in the chincholi palace they had settled in bangalore actually okay so their houses were very close to uh, sakama's house at bull temple road mm-hmm. and that is where they had their first darshan of swami because as you said nagamani purnaya's sister saku was a very close friend of these uh, these two sisters. sisters and she told them so much about swami and persuaded them to have a darshan of swami and they had a darshan of swami and that is when they remembered that one year back abdul baba had said that and here is swami being considered as an avatar of shirdi baba a reincarnation of shirdi baba so is there a connection and the first time they met swami swami told them get the rani too that is rani lakshmi bai but rani lakshmi bai had her own fears and doubts because she was a staunch follower of shirdi baba and she was wondering how can her shirdi baba be be satisai baba right. be like this it was the case of somebody not recognizing her god because of a different form that he chose to come in typically how hanuman refused to accept krishna as the same lord <laughs> rama you know because the, the characteristics are so different but it takes it takes a little bit of deep observing to realize that both of them are the same but that's what happened you know when these two sisters came and visited swami told them you bring your mother and your sister the, the queen of chincholi but as you said that she had her own uh, reservations and so the visit to puttaparthi happened only with their mother the chincholi rani did not come during that first visit i think krishna swami also went hmm. the person who was told that you will meet shirdi baba in one year in 1948 right yes hmm. and uh, one of the interesting things she mentions in her narrative of how they first went to puttaparthi is she says even then the way swami would speak to women the respect with which swami would speak and the modesty which swami would inspire them to maintain that itself was a very uh, idealistic Think about how Swami would interact. Because in body he was young at that time. 
he had just crossed here early 20s he was in he would never look into the eyes of the women when he would speak he would always look down at the floor and speak you know it doesn't it remind us of lakshmana that famous story that swami says right of rama and lakshmana you know uh, sita has been kidnapped by ravana and rama tells lakshmana that you know i'm crying so much because i'm missing sita and i'm so sad so here are some jewels that these monkeys that is sugriva and his monkey forces they have gathered they say that a woman was being carried away in the skies and she threw these jewels and ornaments down can you please take a look at them and tell me if they are my wives because you know rama lakshmana and sita were staying together in the forest for years lakshmana then tells rama that rama you know i don't know naham janami keyure naham janami kundale which means i do not know the necklace i do not know the earrings with mother sita wore but one thing i definitely know i know how her anklets look like because every morning i used to take namaskar from mother sita his elder brother's wife he used to bow down at her feet every morning and he has never looked at sita in the eye and therefore he never knows what are the kind of jewels that she wears other than her anklets that's why you know i mean ramayana is presented as an ideal for the way one should lead life and here was swami living up that same ideal as you said he would never look into the eyes of the ladies when he would speak he would always look down at the floor and then speak to them right and actually one one other thing which happens is when they go all said and done you know they're coming from a very uh, well off exclusive family mm-hmm. association with royalty and they were hearing all kinds of stories about puttaparthi how it's very primitive and people live on in the open space and they have to cook and eat together mm-hmm. so they were wondering will they be given a room and you know place where they can cook their own food but when they went that they, to their surprise they found that swami has already made arrangements and swami had reserved a kitchen for them Mm-hmm. and you know so that the initial uh, entry into prashantinilayam or puttaparthi old mandir was a bit smooth the transition from the a transition, royal right. kitchen to a, <laughs> a and, small and rural staying, kitchen right staying there but it just was a matter of time before they actually started enjoying living in puttaparthi with all those uh, difficulties and l- lack of comfort and very very soon they actually very willingly entered the fold of swami and started believing that swami was god because so much so that they came back that summer and they spent that entire summer vacation of 48 mm. in puttaparthi right exactly and you know swami became special in their lives and when we listen to the narratives we realize that they also became special for swami you know uh, yamuna yamuna is the daughter of rajamma we spoke about krishna swami who was rajamma's son now the daughter yamuna she was named yamuna swami used to call her godavari because right. godavari is the river that flows near shirdi so since she was devoted to shirdi baba swami would say she should be uh, godavari <laughs> yamuna is more associated with krishna right yeah actually there were two sisters yamuna uh-huh. and manjula exactly swami used to call one godavari and the other chitravati <laughs> wow oh so that means uh, manjula was called chitravati yes uh, it's so beautiful because you know this yamuna narrates two incidents one she says is about they were staying near sakama's house at bull temple bull temple road so whenever swami would visit would be at sakama's house and he would sometimes go to lal bag different places sakama would take around swami okay. and tell him that i'll show you bangalore lal bag is a beautiful place even today mm-hmm. it's a huge botanical garden 
So on the way there, they had to pass by the homes of these two sisters. So Yamuna remembers that you know Swami would uh, honk. Mm-hmm. He would honk the car near the house when he nears, as an indication that you know I am coming. And the people from these two household would come running out to the main gate and stand. Swami would come in the car, stop the car, open the door, get down, grant Padmanamskar to them, then sit back in the car and leave. Okay. How beautiful! I mean. How, what a beautiful day it must have been i was just imagining when you know if we also if we just close our eyes and think that uh, in the morning we open the door and swami is there we take namaskar and then begin the day i think even today we can do that let us preserve a special corner in the house for swami a special corner in the heart for swami as soon as we get up in the morning pray to swami and then you know let us in all our heart close our eyes and see him inside because i feel that is the difference now before we had to open our eyes to see swami now i think we have to close our eyes to see swami that's all that's the difference close our eyes see him take namaskar and start off the day the day will go beautiful and believe me this i am saying from experience that sometimes it feels eerily true you know almost it feels yeah you almost touch swami's feet that is the power of the mind and that's why swami says manaiva manushanam karanam bandha mokshayo So that is one incident that Yamuna reveals the other of course is about her sister Manjula right and it's very interesting because this is a little girl this Manjula she's about 8 or 9 years old whom Swami calls Chitravati yes Swami mm. calls Chitravati and she had a very beautiful relationship with Swami because Swami would always pull her leg and have a very jovial chat with her and she also was you know extremely free with Swami the way she would behave and uh, it's so happened that one time when Swami was going out to Chitravati the tradition would be that somebody who was there would go and bring swami's footwear and give it for swami you know because those days swami used to wear it and go to the sands so when the elder sister yamuna was bringing the sandals for swami mm-hmm. this little girl comes running snatches it from her and goes and puts it in front of swami and uh, you know apparently swami pretended as if he was very pleased with her patcher head and says okay what do you want giving her a boon for that little favor which she has done swami as what do you want Do you want Shakti, Bhakti, Mukti, or Bhukti? Mm. That's what Swami asks her in a very uh, in a playful casual manner, casual, uh-huh. playful manner. And this little girl, to the surprise of everybody there, she says, "Swami, give me Mukti." This is a nine-year-old girl. Yes, and she's saying, "Give me Mukti, give me liberation." Mm. And uh, you know, Swami draws her, and I, I've read this account in another book too, where you know, the sister says that Swami draws her and says, "Amma, do you know what you're asking for?" Hmm. Okay, you're too young for that. Ask for something else. And this girl says, "Swami, that you said you will give me what I ask for, and now you're, you know, backtracking." Hmm. He said, "I want only mukti." She says, and then Swami says, "See, if you get mukti, your mother and father will not be able to see you." Hmm. Okay, and this girl says that it doesn't matter. You can show me to them any time you want. Okay, hmm. and she was firm that I want mukti. Hmm. And then Swami said, "Okay, you will get it in one week." You know that's what Swami says and goes away. And after that, I think their vacation gets over. They go back to uh, Bangalore, and the school resumes. Mm-hmm. And one fine day, this little girl gets up, and she says, uh, tells her mother that I'm I'm having a headache. I don't want to go to school. Mm-hmm. And so the mother says that you know why are you being so silly and you know, just for a headache you want to bunk school. She's just thinking that she's becoming a little uh, fussy. Mm-hmm. And suddenly this little girl starts vomiting. and i think in a matter of one hour she actually passes away oh my god hmm within just one hour just, from just normal to right gone. she's absolutely normal 
and it was exactly after one week after Swami had told her that I'll give you mukti. Okay. And I think it was uh, sometime only the next month when Swami visited Bangalore. Swami had called for this little girl's mother to the devotee's house where he was staying, and he told her that I give her mukti because she had to get it. So he called Rajamma and the two sisters, and Rajma he told them, told them that yeah, she asked for mukti. When you narrated this prayer, I got reminded of two things. Mm-hmm. The first was, you know, during the same period in the 1947 or 48, Karunamba Ramamurthy, she records, she got a few instances here and there to ask Swami spiritual questions. Because very often people would ask for, you know, material gains. Right now, the example that you gave of Chitravati, what was her original name? Uh, Manjula. Uh, Manjula, yeah, Manjula. Now I'm remembering her only as Chitravati. Then, yeah, very few rare cases like this who have asked for the highest. So, Karunamara Ramamurthy, she says that she got a few chances and one of the questions she just asked Swami was, Swami, there are sometimes that children die young. They die as infants. What does that mean? And she has recorded Swami's answer where Swami says that any child who dies under the age of 15 is a Karana Janma, born for a particular reason. Till you attain the age of 15, you don't develop, you know, anger, lust and all these vices. You are innocent. So therefore, if the child passes away before that, and Swami also puts a caveat there. He says that the parents must be healthy, but the child passes away. He says in such cases, it only means that it had very little karma left and therefore the child had to come finish the karma and go. It's a Karana Janma. For such children, the parents should rejoice and not feel bad about. And viewed in that perspective, definitely a Manjula's birth was a Karana Janma indeed. This was one thing that struck me. And the other thing that struck me was an incident that was narrated to me by a devotee. He said that, you know, she would often hear lady who used to sit in the first row, one of the VIPs, would keep pestering Swami telling, you know, Swami, please give me Mukti, Swami, give me Mukti, Swami, give me Mukti. This went on for a few days. One day during the, in the Darshan lines, it seems Swami tells her, go for interview. And after the interview, that lady reveals that, you know, what happened in the interview is really embarrassing because Swami said, are you ready now? I'll give you Mukti. And then she realized the import of what she was asking. I, I was reminded this because you said Swami told Manjula that, do you, my child, do you realize what you're asking? Right. The child had realized, but here in this case, the devotee had not. So Swami said, okay, I'll give you now. Ready? Are you ready now? She suddenly said, Swami, I have not told my husband still. I have not told my children. Swami, Swami, not now, Swami. And she says that that was how the interview ended. And she came out and she says, you know, I am so embarrassed. I have been pestering for that. But when it actually came, I was not ready for it. So, it is not as if that you only ask. It's not about asking. It's about asking after being ready. That is how even Shirdi Baba differentiated between Prashna and Pariprashna. Prashna is just asking. Pariprashna is asking with great intensity and intensity that builds up because of years of yearning and thinking and preparing for the answer. So, not only do we need to ask, we also need to prepare for what we are about to receive and then only it meets fulfillment as it met in the case of Manjula. Right, Quite similar to that anecdote in Shirdi Baba's life, right? When a businessman comes and says, I want Brahmagnyan. Brahmagnyan, yes. You know, he comes <laughs> in very, very neatly dressed and... Uh, elite looking person comes and says Baba give me Brahmagnyan and uh, Baba also pretends as though it's such a great thing he's saying people come to me for health for family and for mm-hmm. you know progeny but at last one fellow has come and asked me for uh, Brahmagnyan 
so i'm very happy and so this businessman is also all pumped up and he's saying <laughs> you know uh, how sad that nobody is there to ask like me <laughs> and then shridhava enacts a little drama he says that i want 5 rupees and he keeps asking shama he asks mahal sapati and all these are he also tells them you go to the yeah, shopkeeper go and ask the shopkeeper the shopkeeper says that i don't have he offers pranam sensor of 5 rupees and another shopkeeper is shop is closed and all this is happening and and every now and then this uh, man says that baba can you give me pramagnan and then go behind the fire <laughs> okay and then uh, he says i'm waiting and he also makes a statement that tonga is waiting outside <laughs> you know i have not yet uh, kind of settled his fair fair so if you can give me pramagnan i'll go <laughs> mm-hmm. and then chidiyava says that see i have been asking for this 5 rupees for so long you have baba says the denomination of the notes which he has in his pocket yeah i He's, think it is 60 rupees but right. okay yeah he says some you have some 6 uh, 10 rupee notes or something like that some uh, baba says that is there in your pocket it didn't occur to you that you can give me that 5 rupees you don't even have this much vairagya how can you get bhramagnyan according to the shirdi ke sai baba movie the actual statement that swami says is that you need to give up attachment to the five elements to the five senses in order to get brahmagyan if you are not ready to give up your attachment to 5 rupees how do you expect to get brahmagyan really absolutely true what a beautiful incident dear listeners you know when we are discussing about swami his stories the time seems to just fly so fast uh, we'll take a quick break please enjoy this song after the break we'll continue with some more beautiful stories of chincholi and be ready the best stories are yet to come and as always we keep the desert for the last and we're going to play you a song which was recorded in our studio especially for the dance program which was staged on 18th of november and i think a wonderful presentation that was on the nava with the bhakti superb very beautiful and, and i feel that every uh, person who has missed seeing it live should go back to our website see the archived video and definitely watch this presentation which is worth watching at least twice and we're going to play for you one song which was part of that program hari govinda 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 hari govinda 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 hari govinda 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 hari govinda 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 hari naam smaran mane naam nadpara सागर तरणिराटरा हरिनाम स्मरण मरे नाम नड़परा सागर तरणिराटरा ಅಕ್ಷಯ ಮೌಲು ಅಲಕ ರಕ್ಷ ಪೊಂದರಾ 
ಗಲುಗು ಸಾಧನ ವಿನರ ಬೆಲಲೆ ನಿಧಿ ತುಲಲೆ ನಿಧಿ ಹರಿ ನಾಮುರ ಹರಿ ಕರುಣನು ಪೊಂತ ಗಲುಗು ಸಾಧನ ವಿನರ ಕಡಲಿ ಒಂಟಿ ಇಡುವುಲನ್ನಿ ಕರಿಗೆ ಪೋವುರ ಕಡಲಿ ಒಂಟಿ ಇಡುವುಲನ್ನಿ ಕರಿಗೆ ಪೋವುರ ಒಕ್ಕಸಾರಿ ಶ್ರೀ ಹರಿ ನೀ ತಲಚಿ ಚೂಡರ Satyam Shum Sundaram and uh, the Rani of Chincholi. You know, it's very interesting whenever we are going through this 1944 onwards till the 1950 because the political backdrop of this entire story which we are going through is as fascinating as the story itself because it was one of the most important and tumultuous period in Indian political scenario. Mm. You know, it was a time when India was becoming a nation. It was coming out of colonial rule and and there was that uh, scare of it breaking up into smaller nations then very great leaders you know leaders whom we can look up to even today you know they set the standard for what leaders should be and those people brought together this nation and you know we are so grateful to them even today and in fact they were leaders who featured as ideals in swami's discourses till the very end even later when swami would take classes for the mba students he would talk about so, mahatma gandhi right, about subhash chandra bose lal bal pal and sardar vallabhai uh, lal bal pal is actually not one name it's right. lal bahadur shastri bal gangadhar tilak and bipin chandra pal subhash chandra bose mahatma gandhi uh, vallabhai patel so many names right and rajendra prasad rajendra prasad and it was that time of the history of india where hyderabad was central to a very very you know stormy till then hyderabad had been a very peaceful place because you know it was being ruled by the nizam the nizam was a muslim ruler and about 12% of the population in the place were muslims i think about 14% maybe the rest 86% were hindus so it was a hindu majority place being ruled by a muslim ruler 
a perfect recipe for disaster but that had not happened in hyderabad because there is something magical in the soil of bharat as uh, max muller says there is dharma in the soil of bharat there is satya or truth in the air of bharat there is prema or love in the waters of bharat people may speak about the pollution of ganga yamuna and all that but that love that is there in the waters of bharat cannot be denied please forgive this apparent detour here prem but you know every time i feel that is probably one of the reasons why the lord always chooses to be born in bharat because bharat is such a divine land it is a land that has always fostered and harmonized it is the place where all religions of the world find existence don't find suppression don't find oppression there are hindus muslims christian jews parsis jains i mean recently i had been to a a wedding in south canara district of karnataka over there i visited the statue of gomateshwara as he is called at shravana belagola it is a monolith it's about 45 to 50 feet in height of a jain tirthankar bahubali it's so magnificent and less than 300 kilometers away is this monastery at bailkuppe near mysore okay it is possibly the biggest buddhist monastery in in the world maybe right there when you enter you see three huge golden statues of the buddha i mean it i don't know if it's actual gold but it definitely looks gold it's about uh, 45 to 50 feet in size and there are more than 300 to 400 monks over there and most of them are from tibet and you see when china invaded tibet all those tibetan monks found asylum in india at dharmashala where the dalai lama stays all religions and the number of languages i think possibly india is the only in the country in the world which has 18 officially recognized national languages i mean no other country will have so many such a kind of diversity exists and yet democracy is flourishing in india yes we have our problems we have the corruption we talk and we complain we fight but still it is possibly the l- only successful democracy in the world absolutely in fact you know you should see that i don't know i'm sure you would have seen it uh, the uh, documentary by bbc the story of india mm-hmm. you know there they talk about this very idea that this land has been ruled by so many uh, different monarchs you know not just different uh, people as kings but different uh, cultures have come and ruled this place you know you've had the muslims rule here you've had uh, the colonial powers rule here you've had the portuguese you had the dutch and so you had the liberals you have had the orthodox yes and you you had so many things but you can see that it has only enriched this culture especially the talk of madurai he saying can you imagine going into athens and still having athens as a city which worships that goddess who is central to that athens this one you know it seems like a mythological uh, ideal picture but that's what happens still in madurai he says that madurai meenakshi temple is still the most important shrine in that city and the same rituals and same traditions which were followed 2000 years ago are still being followed the same chants and that's what is special about india you know people have come and ruled and new cultures have come in they have never been able to invade the essence of india and that's always been has lived through and also has got enriched again i feel like reiterating what max muller said he that he said that max muller the i mean the saint scholar from germany said that there is dharma or righteousness in the very soil of bharat there is truth or satya in the very air of bharat and there is prema or love in the waters of bharat and 
this i feel is definitely a tribute to the large heartedness and the broad mindedness of the bharatiya people and that is why god also keeps coming here i feel it is indeed a great blessing right. great blessing from like god you know, uh, the other day venkatraman sir was mentioning the parmacharya of kanchi he would tell the devotees who come to him he would say don't call yourself hindus call yourself practitioner of sanatan dharma that- sanatan dharma translates into the eternal way of life right sanatana meaning eternal and dharma meaning way of life that you know has been so degraded in colloquial use dharma is made to stand for religion and sanatana dharma is called the hindu religion exactly because you know what happened in the ancient india was there was only one religion which was called sanatana dharma and everything else became a subset of this and it was also not like a religion you know because if it's a religion tell me who founded hinduism hinduism is a name that was given to all those who were not christians not muslims not sikhs not buddhists who came later on all these religions have a founder the thing that we call hinduism has no founder because this was the eternal way of life the ancients used to lead their life in this manner and that's all it was offering their obeisances to nature offering their obeisances to the animals offering their obeisances to the plants that was a way of life that's all it's not a religion exactly and in fact you know the broad mindedness of this culture was what was the most important thing because you could be an atheist you know they would say okay that is a stage in life you can be an atheist but you will find it for yourself yes. you can be a worshipper of form you are accepted because that's also a stage in your journey or you could say that there god is formless or you could say that god is inside or you could say that you know it's not a god it's a goddess you say anything you know it's just a way of life it is one subset of this entire umbrella and you're accepted beautiful i mean this digression came because we were speaking about the tough trouble times in hyderabad right. which came about you know it is occasionally that there are a few communal elements that raise their head and bring about strife and that's what happened it is well documented in history as to how kasim razvi a muslim president of kind of you know he started a kind of fundamental movement yes called the razakars movement razakars that movement was basically trying to keep the nizam's kingdom safe that's what they termed it but it was actually they didn't want to become part of the indian nation right. and he was inciting the nizam to fight out and conquer the whole of india in fact he said that the waters of the bay of bengal wash your feet soon the flag of hyderabad will flutter over red fort in delhi and we will have conquered the whole indian nation and that is when a massacre started of the hindus where so many were killed because of these uh, interests of trying to occupy and conquer the whole of the nation that is when sardar vallabhai patel the iron man of india as he is called who brought together all the states he brought in the army and through a military operation actually it was a police operation called operation polo he put down this razakar rebellion and hyderabad became part of india in 1950 after which india became a republic and interestingly another person who was instrumental in this whole process was k munshi whom we have spoken about kulapati munshi right okay yes you know he was the arbitrator in, in this whole process where the hyderabad accessed itself towards india and we spoke of how he came to swami much later in pombe you know we're talking about the the razakars you know that moment as such 
again mm. it comes out of that fundamental nature of being intolerant to beliefs which are alien to you mm. because these were people who felt that 84% of this land is hinduism and we have to convert them to islam so that the nizam's rule will stay mm. that was the idea with which they went about that was a foolish idea because for almost more than 100 years before that in the same kind of a majority hindu population all were happy and the nizam was ruling and the nizam at that time was the richest individual in the world not in <laughs> india in the world wow oh and, and, i didn't know that right he okay. was featured in time magazine as the richest individual in the world and his wealth was supposed to be 2% of america's gdp then oh you know imagine they were saying that india is a poor country hmm. and here was one individual who was worth 2% of the us economy itself wow you know that's how rich he was and he was rich till he died in 1967 hmm and as you said a person whose whose kingdom could flourish why would you need to do something like this why would you need a movement such as the rasakars movement you know it it only ended up destabilizing what would have been a good state and then but you know again everything is part of the master plan it was this rasakar movement that led to the nizam's kingdom becoming a part of the indian domination and that's what happened and the reason dear listeners we went about all this was because you know we were speaking about rani lakshmi bai of chincholi the, the kingdom of chincholi was the neighboring kingdom a small kingdom neighboring the nizam's dominion and uh, the rani was in her doubts as we said before accepting swami that is when swami himself came in a dream and told her that i am shirdi sai accept me you know it's so beautiful we had discussed before how swami does not impose uh, he shows himself as the personal deity or the beloved form of the devotee and the devotee is able to see that form in swami and therefore starts worshiping swami that's what he did to her he said i am shirdi baba i am and when she described this form she had never seen swami till then she had only heard about him she described this form to her two sisters that we spoke about rajamma and sitama and both of them said that this is exactly the form of swami swami has come in your dream so imagine it was not some kind of psychology or some kind of imagination because she had never seen swami till then but swami came in a dream and told that he is shirdi baba and slowly she got interested and began to you know visit swami and feel that there is something special in swami and then happened this incident in 1948 when she was traveling in a vehicle because she wanted yeah, to go to i think by then she had already come and had darshan of swami exactly at bangalore in again. bangalore right at the same sakama's house sakama's <laughs> house and later in uh, basavaraj ur basavaraj aras yeah from, from the mysore royal family right i think it was that time when you know you're one step in and one step out exactly she was one step in and one step out and the other step that was out also came in with this incident because when she was traveling in the car she was surrounded by these razakars and in those days any non muslim would dread or shudder at the thought of being surrounded by the razakars there were armed forces with lathis with swords with guns and they would just kill any non muslim so her car was surrounded and she was there in the car with her daughter and she just did not know what to do at that point you know that was the crunch moment the moment where she thought she would put swami to acid test the wow moment that we spoke about uh, last week she picked up that invitation card from swami which had invited her to come over to puttaparthi for dasara in 1948 she picked up that card and put it on her daughter's head 
I don't know. It seems so funny, right? I mean, picking up an invitation card and putting it on your daughter's head. But apparently, that worked magic. The Razakar soldiers just let her go. Didn't harm a hair on any of their heads. The driver, along with the two women, not women, one woman and a child, they escaped. And gratitude in her heart welled up for Swami because. she was convinced beyond doubt that this was only swami's working swami's hand otherwise instead of a car of happy people it would have been a burnt car with three dead bodies yes and this was that incident which really turned them through and i think after this she visited swami she visited swami in, for dasara for dasara in puttaparthi and as we said the rest of the family was visiting quite often and i think during that time towards the end of 1948 after dashara swami on his own started telling that he is going to make a visit to hyderabad and he surprised everybody because nobody had actually uh, kind of invited swami physically <laughs> though they all desired that swami would come and stay with them hyderabad to the uh, homes of the chincholi people right, right. Hmm. the chincholi uh, house royalty had a hmm. had a palace in hyderabad i don't think it was a palace there were homes okay hmm. it's it's a house in hyderabad and swami said that he would visit them and the house was called shri niketan okay and this is what you were referring to prem for the first time swami traveled by flight he took a flight from bangalore to hyderabad right. that was the first flight of swami and <laughs> unimaginable in a sense 1948 swami is already taken a flight 1943 swami has not sat in anything else other than a bullock cart and 1949 swami is flying to visit royalty <laughs> from bangalore to hyderabad 1940 1941 swami is drinking water from buffalo troughs and you no know, swami is using thorns for pins pins and swami had only one pair of shirt and knicker 1948 swami is traveling by flight to a royal family to visit a royal family and all this without asking it has all just happened and then you know swami goes to shriniketan and at sriniketan it was a very 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 interesting uh, stay because you know swami began to narrate things from his previous birth which is shirdi baba he tells the rani of chincholi that you know i have come here before i have come and visited you before not here not hyderabad i have visited you before no she is absolutely certain that swami has not come to chincholi so she says no swami then he says no i had come and he starts narrating When I had come, I spoke this. I spoke that. I gave a discourse on this, and these are all exactly what Shirdi Baba had done when he had visited Chincholi. So she shocked, and then Swami says, "You know, I I had this kamandalu. The kamandalu is a kind of uh, pot right. in which water is kept. So I used to drink from that. I also had my robe. I have left it there at Chincholi. There is also a tanga, a horse-drawn carriage, right. which you used to welcome me and get me into the palace." all these revelations really stunned her because some of the things she did not remember in fact she goes back to uh, the kingdom in chincholi goes to the palace and conducts a thorough search and finds so many things that swami said the tanga she finds she finds a kamandalu how she finds a kamandalu is an interesting story which maybe you can narrate right and swami also tells about uh you know the modifications which have been made in the palace over the years that's another thing which swami mentions he tells that there was a neem tree yes. which has been fallen a margosa right. tree and the queen goes back and finds all this mentioned by swami you know to be true because some of it she she herself has not witnessed hmm and of course before we come to that kamandlu story story the interesting thing is actually shirdi baba himself has never visited hyderabad physically 
Ah, uh, this was Chincholi, right? Right, Chincholi. You uh. know, Shirdi Baba has never visited that area physically. Oh, okay. But the king and the family have actually documented proof that Shirdi Baba has come and lived with them. Exactly. If you see Shirdi Sai Satcharitra, right? There is no, no visit of Shirdi Baba to any royal family, but he has actually been there. They have served him, and you know, it's not appearance. He has lived with them for a couple of days. That is not surprising for us, Prem. We have got devotees who have documented Swami's presence in America, Swami's presence in Africa, uh, Swami's presence in Europe. Swami's Swami has never presence in Uzbekistan. <laughs> Swami has never visited these places, right? So yes, okay. yes. So and the couple of things which were left was that Kamandulu and that Tonga. And one day when they were having some of the storerooms of that palace being cleaned, she found in a corner this particular Kamandulu. and she takes it and she realizes that it's of the same specification that swami mentioned that he had used it when he had visited so she gets it polished and she keeps it in her bedroom and one fine day when she goes she finds a cobra which is encircling that kamandalu and so she immediately brings a camphor and offers aarti to that snake you know believing that there's some divine occurrence so the snake goes away so she takes the kamandalu she brings that vessel and you know comes to puttapati and swami is sending word saying that the rani of chicholi has brought my water drinking vessel. drinking vessel you know fetch it from her one interesting point you forgot here prem was uh, when she sees a kamandalu on that are inscribed the letters yeah, sa actually ba. she she doesn't notice that hmm when swami asks for the kamandalu oh okay that's when swami draws her attention to those two letters sa ba for sai baba sai baba and swami says see my name is inscribed here <laughs> in fact you know swami always as we say strikes at least two birds with one stone if not more in the meanwhile here the dasara yagnam has started the saptah gyana yagna and the priests have asked for a kamandalu which is necessary for the rituals happening and there is no kamandalu inside in puttaparthi right. and swami tells don't worry the rani of chincholi is getting it and when it arrives it is exactly the same specifications and the measurements that the priests need for the yagnam so they are thrilled the rani of chincholi is thrilled we are thrilled because we have a story to narrate and the lord is just smiling there right and i think much later she also finds that tonga which swami referred to Yes and dear listeners do you know there's something very interesting that tonga which shirdi baba used without actually physically visiting chincholi uh, means he has visited in his divine form which all the members of the chincholi royal family have seen they have welcomed him in this tonga shirdi baba has sat in this tonga and this tonga was presented by the chincholi family to the trust here and today that tonga stands for all to see in the chaitanya jyoti museum You know, it's very interesting. In two thousand, um, I think it was two thousand one or two thousand two. When was that Shirdi Sai statue in the Vidyagiri Stadium inaugurated? Oh, I think it was much later, after two thousand four. Oh, two thousand four. Oh, yeah, yeah, two thousand four or two thousand five. Four or five, yeah. So that year, Swami suddenly made mention of this tanga, mm-hmm. and he told the trust members to get it. That's how the tanga was brought out, and Swami said, "Place it in Chaitanya Jyoti Museum." Right. I think till then it was in the. Sanatan Sanskriti Museum. museum. Yes. Right. So it was brought to the Chaitanya Jyoti Museum, and you know, I was speaking to both sir, the curator of the museum, museum, and he was saying that it's not a coincidence that the tanga was given to the museum when right next door a statue of Shirdi Baba was being unveiled. <laughs> and I remember I was there that day photographing. Swami pressed a button, and the cloth dropped off the idol, right, revealing the beautiful statue. 
it is the smallest statue among all these statues but it's a beautiful one nevertheless so all our listeners can definitely make a visit to chaitanya jyoti museum and have a look at this tanga now if you see the tanga is covered with a kind of a leather canopy now boser was saying that that canopy was not there it had got eroded and degraded it was gone all that was there was a little handle mm-hmm. which the passenger should hold on to and sit during the ride during the ride okay. so by matching the material of that handle and the color of that handle they went to some old stores in bangalore and fetched the correct canopy okay. and the canopy has been done later on but if we look at the tanga it looks as if it's not brand new it's <laughs> as old as it was but the canopy is a new addition the rest of the tanga is there for us to see and feel the thrill that's a tanga that has been used by shirdi baba blessed by swami and has been displayed at the chaitanya jyoti museum right and uh, just a small point about you know swami's visit to hyderabad if we note that swami himself said i want to go to hyderabad mm. and you know september 1948 was the time when hyderabad was taken over and you know where the nizam signs that accord of accession to india mm. and it's been a wounded state to say the least you know with all these revolution going on the civil Rebellion. unrest and uh-huh. you know all that is happening they say that in the razakar unrest about uh, 30000 civilians lost their life right and you know during that time when this new state was being formed swami found it fit to go and spend a few days there and i'm sure it would have been something which is beyond our comprehension why swami did that and there definitely would be a purpose why swami went there mm. because towards the end of 1948 this happened and in january 1949 swami spent i think a good few weeks there he spent 3 weeks almost right. till uh, uh, till the 2nd of february when he flew to madras right a second flight second flight from the middle of january till the 2nd of february at least 2 weeks he was in hyderabad right 9th of january is right mm. from the 9th of january to the end of january 2nd yes. of february swami takes that flight so and when he stayed in uh, hyderabad they would rarely venture out outside because the riots were on still the, going on the, the rasakar violence was on because as you said it happened in september the accession yeah so, september of the previous year but not all those people who are still arrested correct and it ended with the arrest of uh, kasim razvi right uh, his story is again it's not worth discussing here but uh, it was during swami's stay at hyderabad that another stalwart devotee paid a visit and you know that was first acquaintance that is burugulu ramakrishna rao who would later go on to become the chief minister of andhra pradesh and governor of tamil nadu and uttar pradesh and you know when swami visited these states he was the governor and he played host to swami right especially the historic badri visit happened when he was the governor of uttar pradesh yes and he was the person who you know went along with swami and a lot of beautiful incidents there i think maybe we'll come to that in satyam shiv sundaram part <laughs> of 1960 i don't know when <laughs> when we'll reach when that we'll reach but you know you see this thread running along all along where everything is so beautifully structured it's almost as if swami played a chess game you know from the moment he makes his opening move he knows how he's thinking so many moves ahead if we look at it from a human angle human perspective i'm telling of course divinely everything is planned out it is so beautiful right i mean having said that it's a very beautiful point that you said and just contrasting it with what we spoke last time hmm. you know last week when we spoke we said that not everything that swami does is 
of such eminence as we can understand because he is the god of small things hmm. side by side he is also doing these master strokes and you know big steps god of huge things too <laughs> exactly you know here he was making political moves he was telling uh, kings and monarchs what to do with their kingdom and he was also healing you know people who were being hurt by all these things which are happening in the political scenario of the country at the same time he was doing some small things which you know you and i would wonder why is swami spending time doing such things you know that is why the scriptures say anoraniyan mahatomahiyan yeah. he is subtler than the subtlest he is smaller than the smallest larger than the largest well before we uh, conclude the chincholi episode because it's almost time there's one more lovely miracle that swami performed that happened just before swami left for madras when swami developed a big swelling in his neck and the rani of chincholi was very worried as to what it was was it an infection should the doctors be called but swami refused everything and in fact during one discourse he smiled and out came a lovely idol of lord krishna and after that when swami pointed to the neck the swelling was gone so uh, he just laughed playfully and that krishna idol continues to be worshiped in the chincholi household and that was another miracle that swami performed before leaving to madras on the 2nd of february and that part of the story we'll take up in our satyam shyam sundaram satsang next week dear listeners we hope that you are enjoying the satyam shyam sundaram as much as we are enjoying it for prem and me it has been sheer bliss beautiful joy to relive the stories of our lord it is a learning curve forever and ever and we hope that you to enjoy it as much as we are we offer our gratitude at swami's lotus feet for giving us this opportunity so till we meet next week this is prem from team radio sai and arvind from team radio sai offering our gratitude at swami's lotus feet and signing off Sairam you just heard an episode of a radio series afternoon satsang this is a discussion between radio sais prem and arvind on different spiritual topics and the topic of today's episode was satyam shivam sundaram the life story of bhagwan sri satya sai baba this was first featured as part of radio sais thursday live at 12:30 pm on november 21st 2013 we hope you enjoyed it your comments and suggestions are very important to us please mail them to listener at radiosci.org next week same day same time will be the continuation of today's episode stay tuned thank you and loving sairam from prashant nilayam